Andre Loren Benjamin, better known as Andre 3000, is one of hip-hop's most respected MCs. His incredibly innovative approach to rapping, singing, and fashion helped make OutKast the most successful rap group of all time. From 1993 to 2006, OutKast released some of the most exciting, creative, and commercially successful rap music of all time. They are the ultimate unicorn of hip-hop, a southern rap group with crossover pop success and a unique sound that was impossible to copy. Andre and his childhood friend Antoine Big Boy Patton had an undeniable musical chemistry. But in this Lennon-McCartney sort of way, their personalities and styles had gone in completely separate directions. Big Boy was, in many ways, the typical hip-hop alpha male, while Andre had transformed into this mystical, futuristic weirdo. So in 2006, when the group abruptly stopped releasing music and touring at the height of their popularity, I think most of us assumed that it was their creative differences that had finally torn them apart as musical partners and maybe even as friends. This was played out in a Key and Peele comedy sketch from 2015 in which Big Boy, played by Jordan Peele, and Andre, played by Keegan-Michael Key, run into each other at a hipster coffee shop. Uh, greetings. <laughs> May I have a half-calf, decaf, mint mocha latte, foam on the bottom, served in a flower vase, and if y'all got some green food coloring back there, throw it in. Andre 3000! In the flesh! <laughs> Big Boy is right over there! <gasps> Big Boy! I should mention real quick here that Andre is wearing a ridiculous bright green Robin Hood costume, complete with suspenders and a feathered cap and that this is not that far from something the real Andre 3000 would have worn on stage. I thought, perchance, you went missing. Don't do the voices, man. Do what voice, man? Why you gotta do the voices, man? Why you doing the voice? Why you doing that, man? (laughs) One green, half calf, half decaf, mint mocha latte, foam on the bottom and a vase. I got a new idea for an album, man. It's gonna be just the sound of screeching metal and then only one spoken word per track. Cool, cool. And while the sketch was very funny and very popular, the only problem with that story is that it's not true at all. The two rappers remained close friends, and Big Boy never wanted to stop releasing music with Andre. He said as recently as 2017, quote, I've always said, whenever Dre is ready, I'm always ready, end quote. So then, what happened to Andre 3000? Since the group broke up, Big Boy has released three solo albums and kept up a busy touring schedule. But Andre, on the other hand, has pretty much stayed completely out of the public eye. Every once in a while, he'll show up with a guest verse on someone else's record, and when that happens, he completely knocks it out of the park. 10 out of 10 incredible quality rapping every time. I'm not exaggerating this. It's gotten so crazy that an Andre 3000 guest verse is basically treated like a hip-hop event in and of itself. In fact, Andre 3000 is probably the only artist in the whole history of recorded music to build 
such an incredible, universally positive reputation without ever putting out his own album. Today, he's considered easily one of the top five rappers of all time. And if you're from Atlanta or from the South, then he's probably number one. But we still haven't answered the question from before. What happened? Why did he stop? Why did he leave so much money on the table? Welcome to Anatomy of a Verse, the podcast that examines rap music and hip-hop culture one verse at a time. I'm Max Maples, and today we're going to try to answer those questions, and we're going to talk about a problem that, until very recently, has been ignored and avoided in hip-hop culture. Today, we're talking about a life in the day of Benjamin Andre. Here's a little story that must be told. It's a music that is all beat and talk. It's rap music. We don't do that in my music, man. I'm tired of you saying that. Yeah, how about the gang rape on you? But when it comes to the children, Wu-Tang is for the children. You had a, a rap singer here last night named Sister Soldier. And they, they, they've given them permission to go down and shoot us. It's the And so that's when I said, like, if I had brothers and sisters, yeah, I wouldn't have to worry about certain things. Yes. With a uh, social anxiety disorder, like I was diagnosed years ago mm-hmm. and hypersensitivity. Mm-hmm. Like with that kind of thing, isolation is not good. Yeah. But I feel most comfortable being isolated. So yes. I spend 95% of my, my time by myself. Yes. For those of us who grew up listening to Outkast, whether we bought the records or we just heard the songs a lot on the radio, Andre 3000 was this vibrant, exuberant burst of energy, this otherworldly force of nature who had written a song so popular that Polaroid had to put out an official statement saying, please don't shake our film it doesn't help the picture develop any faster. So, it might come as a surprise then that he was diagnosed with social anxiety disorder and hypersensitivity, and that his futuristic music and his adventurous fashion sense were actually byproducts of this disorder. In his 2003 album, The Love Below, Andre moves away from rapping about Cadillacs and chicken wings, and instead he sings mostly about love, intimacy, abandonment, and relationship stuff in general. And what's most striking about the album is that there's hardly any rapping on it at all. However, at the very end of the album, after over an hour of this dynamic, energetic singing, we get to the final track, which is the subject of today's episode, A Life in the Day of Benjamin Andre, Incomplete. For nearly five minutes, Andre raps with no chorus, no hooks, no breaks, and it is the longest stretch of rapping that we've ever covered on this podcast, so we're just going to jump right into it. And right at the top, notice that he's ditched that wild and crazy affectation from the rest of the album. Here, he's rapping in a very conversational, almost monotone. 
There's no falsetto, no shouting, no shake-it-like-a-Polaroid picture. This is the real Andre Loren Benjamin that we're hearing on this track. I met you in a club in Atlanta, Georgia. Said me and my homeboy were coming out with an album. You looked at me like, yeah, nigga, right, but you gave me a number anyway, you were on the talcum. Powder house about them oranges. Moved away from home to school with big plans by day. Study the history of music by night just to pay for that shit. You dance. In literature and screenwriting, this is called a frame story or frame narration, where the narrator of a story is a character in a separate frame of that same story. For example, think of movies like Forrest Gump and Titanic. In those movies, the narrator is a character who is telling the story as a flashback. Same thing here. The story is being told in the form of a conversation between Andre and a woman that he had a short-lived relationship with when they were both much younger. As we heard in the song, he met her while she was high on cocaine, stripping to pay tuition for her music theory degree. And let me just take a second here to say, you don't get this kind of film noir type storytelling from rappers back in 2003. And from what I can tell, the woman in this story is probably not a real person, but Andre's using this conversation with her as a way to tell his real life story, starting back in the early 90s when he and Big Boy first started making music together. It's beginning to look a lot like wood. Follow my every step. Take notes on how I crep. I was about to go in depth. This is the way I creep my season. Here's my get to rep. I kept to say the least. No, no, it can't cease. So I begin to piece my... This is the song Player's Ball, released in November of 1993. It's Outkast's debut single. And that's Andre rapping there, before he put the 3000 at the end of his name. And considering that this was a debut single by a rap group from the South, Players Ball did really well. If you listen to our Pimp C episode, then you might remember Outkast winning Best New Artist at the 1995 Source Awards, and how Andre used his acceptance speech to let out his frustration with major record labels for ignoring Southern hip hop. I'm tired of folks, you know what I'm saying? Them closed-minded folks, you know what I'm saying? It's like we got a demo tape and don't nobody want to hear it, but it's like this, the South got something to say. That's all I got to say. I think even back then, Andre was searching for a way to express all of his insecurities, his anxieties. And this would come out not just in his lyrics, but also in the way he put his words together, the way he structured his rhyme schemes and his syntax. Coming up, we're going to hear him talk about his relationship with this woman, how attracted he was to her, how little he understood about her, and how she was always the one in control. And while he's talking about all of this, we're going to hear a rapping technique that he has become very famous for, a poetic device called enjambment, which is basically when a sentence or a word doesn't line up neatly with the rhythmic phrasing. For example, right at the beginning here, listen how he splits up the word impossible between two different musical phrases. And he keeps doing this going forward, and notice how it kind of keeps us on edge. It keeps us interested in what's going to happen next in the story. It's kind of like the phrasing equivalent of a cliffhanger. Music by night just to pay for that shit. You dance to get your pants was a mission impossible. We were both the same age, but I 
Suppose wasn't on the same page, but in the same book of life, so I'd page you when I felt that you were getting off of work, or either when you're on your way to school. We started hanging like Ernie and Burt, and in my idle head, I'm thinking cool. Just when I think I'm going down your shirt, you're hacking up your skirt now. The events that followed had me volley if your hometown would be heaven or hell. The angelic nastiness you possessed made you by far the best, therefore hard to tell. Here, Andre's talking about that feeling of cluelessness that just about every teenage boy or young man feels when they approach someone for the first time romantically. And again, back in 2003, rappers were not talking about this kind of stuff. Rappers were expected to posture and be alpha males. And here, Andre's basically admitting that he can't even tell if this girl was sent from heaven or from hell. And while he does that, he gives us some very impressive internal rhyming with the words nastiness, possessed, and the best. If your hometown would be heaven or hell, the angelic nastiness you possessed made you by far the best, therefore hard to tell. You dropped me off by the dungeon. And just then, we heard him mention the dungeon. Now, the dungeon is a real place, and it's a very important place in our story. 1907, Lakewood Terrace, southeast in Atlanta, Georgia. Or, more specifically, it's the recording studio that was set up in the basement of Rico Wade's mom's house. The dungeon. The dungeon. The dungeon. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it was uh, definitely un- uh, unfinished basement. It was an unfinished basement. It was really like a crawl space below a house. A crawl space. And the walls were red dirt. 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 The red clay dirt. It was just like really dug out. There were no real definite walls. You have to walk down these rickety steps. Old wooden steps. That were about to fall. Records. Dusty records everywhere. The drum machines might be sitting on top of speakers. Busted speakers. Mixing boards. And turntables. I didn't go down there a whole lot because it was dank down there. It smells of weed and dirt. I don't know if you can imagine how weed and dirt and must would smell together, but that's what it smelled like. I I definitely saw why they called it the dungeon. We just used to go down there and just kind of bang out. You had to be there to know, you know, Miss Wade, you know, how she put up with a whole bunch of us. Rico's mom, Beatrice Wade, let us all live in her house and make music downstairs, and we would just would bang out all night long. It was just all night long, all night long, noise and smoke, and noise and smoke, and noise and smoke. That was Andre at the end there, who seems to remember more than anything else, a whole lot of noise and smoke. But we'll get back to that in a little bit. The Dungeon is where Andre and Big Boy wrote and recorded most of their first album. And it was operated by the production trio known as Organized Noise, consisting of Sleepy Brown, Ray Murray, and the unofficial leader, Rico Wade. Together, along with a bunch of other artists and musicians, they all became known as the Dungeon Family, one of the most influential and impactful creative collectives in the history of American music. So now we're going to go down memory lane with Andre and notice how he effortlessly shifts the perspective of the story. At first, he's speaking to the woman. Then he's in the dungeon making music. Then he's on stage performing. And then he's in the outcast tour van. And based on his description, it all seems to fly by so fast 
presumably in a blur of noise and smoke, as if his life is changing over the course of just 12 bars. Because these 12 bars are when Andre goes from being a normal, music-loving teenager to a celebrity with a record contract and fans and business people who are all expecting things from him. Now we're going to return to the woman from the beginning of the story. We don't know exactly how much time has passed, but we find out that she's a single mother with a child. And Andre, meanwhile, has made enough money to buy a Cadillac, but he still lives in a bad neighborhood with his father. Also, he's starting to go into kind of a stream of consciousness here. And one of the things that really keeps the song interesting is that his rhyme schemes keep changing constantly. For example, at the start of this next clip, you'll notice that he's using the rhyme scheme typically associated with limerick poems. And one in their ear, you know what I'm saying, but I kept your number in my old phone. Got a new chip flip with the wrong wrong. So it took me a minute to retrieve seven digits, but I promised I would call you when I got home. But when I got home, I never did. By the time I did, heard that you had a kid By some nigga indicator who replied See you later when he got the good news That's life shit Now, I'm 19 with a Cadillac My nigga had a Lex with the gold pack Got a plaque, but I'm living with my pop-pop So I got a Glock and a low jack You're kinda fast for that fella in class Who used to draw and never said much Cause half of what he saw Was so far from that place you wanna be That words only fucked it up more Follow me, I used to you're kind of fast for that fella in class who used to draw and never said much because half of what he saw was so far from that place you want to be that words only fucked it up more. If that's not an incredible description of social anxiety, then I don't know what is. We're beginning to realize here that this story isn't about Andre's career so much as it is about his emotional and psychological journey during this part of his life. It's a story about his quest to find that place you want to be. But what is that place? Is it an actual geographic location? Or maybe it's just a state of mind? And how can somebody keep it real if they don't even know what real is? Are you starting to gather what I'm getting at? Now if I'm losing you, tell me, then I double back. But keep in mind at the time, keep it real, what's the phrase? Silly one said now, but those were the days when... So when he says... Are you starting to gather what I'm getting at? It's not clear if he's talking to us, the listeners, or the woman from the beginning of the story, but either way, the message is the same. Andre is trying to figure out how to fit in, and if fitting in is even possible for him at all. And of course, that's where the name Outcast comes from. Nowadays, we consider Outcast to be the flag bearers of Atlanta hip hop. But back in the early 90s, the rest of Atlanta's hip-hop scene was doing something very different. There's a party over here, a party over there, wave your hands in the air, shake the dairy, yeah. These three words mean you're getting busy, whoop, there it is, hit me. While Outkast were working on their first album in the dungeon, 
most rappers in the South were making music that sounded a lot more like this. Miami bass music was essentially the sound of Southern rap back then. And artists like MC Shy D and Kilo helped to create a thriving bass scene in Atlanta. It also helped that Atlanta was the number one spring break party destination for black college students all around the country, thanks to a huge festival called Freaknik. But Andre didn't see bass music and the Freaknik festival as an accurate representation of his hometown. He knew that when all the partying was over and everyone went back home, Atlanta was not the picturesque city that they were all making it out to be. For him and Big Boy, whose real name is Antoine, going on tour was about more than just having fun on stage. It was a mission for them to represent what they saw as the real Atlanta. Praise, silly one said now, but those were the days when spring break and Daytona and freak nicks made you wanna drop out of college and never go back. Move to the south, but that ain't a Kodak moment. On when myself and Big Boy, well you knew what Miss Twan. That's right, you were around before this shit begun. Well, Twan had a daughter and Sawda was made to mature before the first tour. We hit the road like Jack, laughed and cried and dropped it back with some yak. Girls used to say, y'all talk funny, y'all from the islands? And got laughing, they just keep smiling. No, I'm from Atlanta, baby. He from Savannah, maybe. We should hook up and get toe up and then lay down. Hey, we gotta go because the bus is pulling out in 30 minutes. She's playing tennis, disturbing the tenants. 15 love, fit like glove. Description is like 15 doves in a jacuzzi. Catching the Holy Ghost, making one woozy in the head and comatose. Agree? If you're hearing this song for the first time, or you're not listening super closely, then you probably missed Andre's description of a sexual encounter with a groupie as, quote, 15 doves in a jacuzzi, catching the Holy Ghost, making one woozy in the head and comatose, end quote. So now Andre's going to shift the frame of the story once again, reminding us that he's still having a conversation with that woman from the beginning of the story, the single mother. And he's using this shift to begin a new chapter. Now he's telling the story of how he began his transition from Dre to Andre 3000. And this puts us right around the time that OutKast began work on their second album, AT Aliens. Here's a clip from the OutKast VH1 documentary. AT Aliens was released August 27, 1996. AT Aliens is a total metamorphosis album. On the first album, you probably thought that the group was inseparable. Their image was pretty much the same. On AT Aliens, Dre started going in a different direction. He didn't want to be a pimp. He didn't want to be a player. That was Big Boy's vibe. Big Boy really embellished it. Dre was just more in between. So that's when he went through the transition of really, really trying to find himself. Andre felt like he had to change his life. A lot of things that he was doing, he said that he didn't want to do them anymore. He stopped drinking, he stopped eating meat, he stopped smoking. He grew his hair, you know, he got into books and spiritualism. Even went as far as to practice celibacy for about a year. Andre needed to get away from all the noise and smoke that we heard about earlier in the episode. We'll even hear him compare his brain to a fried egg, perhaps as a reference to the famous anti-drug commercial. This is your brain. This is drugs. This is your brain on drugs. 
And in addition to slowing his proverbial Cadillac down to a nice speed, he also started changing his fashion pretty dramatically. I still remember like one day he was jeans and t-shirt and a fresh, fresh pair of sneakers on and then bam, he's in the turban. And it was actually a hat that you get from the beauty supply store. You know, they look, grandmama has that you wear in church. Dre walks out with a turban on and everybody's looking like, man, what in the hell is Dre doing? What does he have on? And the next second, you're going out to the mall and everybody got on turbans. Needless to say, in Dre's own words, this threw some people in the hood off. Making one woozy in the head and comatose. Agree? Enough about me. How's about you? How's the little kid? She was about two the last time we spoke. I hadn't smoked or took a shot of drink because I'd start the second album off on another note now. That note threw some niggas in the hood off. But see, I'd ball out and for I'd fall out. I slow my lack down to a nice speed. The brain was that fried egg I might need. New direction was apparent. I was a child looking at the floor staring. So changing my style. He says new direction was apparent. I was a child looking at the floor staring. Notice the double entendre here. Apparent meaning obvious, but also a parent. He continues this expert wordplay by saying, I was on the rise. Yeast was the street, to make bread never primary concern, with the word bread, of course, meaning money. I might need new direction was apparent. I was a child looking at the floor staring. So changing my style was like relief for the primitive beast. Yes, I was on the rise. Yeast was the street to make bread. Never primary concern. Just to hop on these beats and wait my turn. I'd meet Muslims, gangsters, bitches, rosters, and macaroni niggas. Imposters. And we get even more wordplay here with the words macaroni and impastas. Get it? Impastas? But it's also possible that he's referring to the traditional song Yankee Doodle. You know, the one where Yankee Doodle stuck a feather in his hat and called it macaroni. This line was written in the mid-1700s by a British army surgeon, basically as an insult to American soldiers for trying to fit in with the more sophisticated European fashion sense. Back then in England, macaroni was not a type of pasta, but it was a style of dress for British men that involved looking very snooty and feminine. This is all relevant here because remember, Andre is trying to find his place in the world in part through fashion. And that quest to fit in is the central story behind the whole song. And as a result, Andre was laughed at, particularly by people in poor Southern neighborhoods, the places that he was trying to represent where eccentric and somewhat feminine behavior for men was often looked down upon. But of course, it's that same eccentricity that would eventually turn him into a superstar. And around the year 1997, Andre met someone who would cherish that side of him, someone who would nurture that weirdness and give him confidence to trust his instincts. It's at this point in the story that we hear him fall in love with the queen of neo-soul, the one and only Erica Badu. Imposters. So on a trip to New York on some beeswax, I get invited to a club where MC's at, and on stage is a singer with something on her head similar to the turban that I covered up my dreads with, which I was rocking at the time when I was going through the phases trying to find anything that seemed real in the world. Still searching, but I started liking this girl. Now you know her as Erica on and on Badu. 
call Tyrone on the phone Why you do that girl like that boy Y'all to be ashamed The song wasn't about me and that ain't my name And Erica Badu was having a pretty huge moment in her career as well Her debut album, Baduism, had climbed to number two on the Billboard chart A few months later, she released a live album which made it to number four and also contained one of the greatest breakup songs of all time, a song that is completely freestyled and was barely even rehearsed before it was performed, the song Tyrone. They were together for about three years, and they had a son named Seven Serious Benjamin. And then, in the year 2000, Andre and Erica split up amicably. However, there has always been some speculation that the song Tyrone was about Andre. But he denies it here, saying, The song wasn't about me, and that ain't my name. We're young in love, in short, we had fun. No regrets, no abortion, had a son by the name of Seven, and he's five. By the time I do this mix, he'll probably be six. You do the arithmetic, me do the language arts. Y'all stand against the wall, blindfolded, me throw the darts to poke you in the heart and take you from the start to when luxury transportation meant a motor car, or either when your girlfriend that I went to make. Now, this is where things start to get a little heady. Right now, we really don't know if he's still talking to the woman, or if he's talking to us, or maybe he's just talking to himself. But again, it doesn't really matter. He says, you do the arithmetic, me do the language arts, y'all stand against the wall blindfolded, me throw the darts. Once again, we hear incredibly poetic language for a rapper. This time, he's describing what a rapper does. And he continues, to poke you in the heart, and take you from the start to when luxury transportation meant a MARTA card. MARTA is the public transportation system in the city of Atlanta, and this is the beginning of a metaphor that will take us to the end of the song. He talks about going from public transportation to borrowing your friend's parent's car to finally getting your own cheap car, putting lots of time and energy into it, and how Throughout this whole process, you're always thinking about the next best thing. You always want the Cadillac. Which of course begs the question, what happens when you're only 19 and you already have the Cadillac? And he's not just talking about cars, of course. The Cadillac is a metaphor for success or for perhaps the illusion of happiness. And take you from the start to when luxury transportation meant a motor car or either when your girlfriend that went to maze mama or her daddy let her borrow the bins because she's smart or maybe if your neighbor does you a huge favor and he sells you that rabbit that's been sitting in his yard you fix it up, you trick it out, you give it rims, you give it bump, you give it all your time cause that's all you can think about and that's as far as I got and where I want to go from there the whole summer, that's all you can think about. Even though if you cut it off to start that bitch up, you need to jump. Like your needs and your wants to grow. 
and you change all the time so that rabbit that you thought about that whole summer, the next summer, you didn't want that rabbit no more. You wanted something bigger and better. So the summer passed and now the rabbit's old. Right. Right. So now you want the Cadillac, Cadillac, Cadillac. And yes, that spoken word section at the end is part of the song. I want to go back to some lyrics there. When he's talking about the cheap car, the Volkswagen Rabbit, he says, quote, You fix it up. You trick it out. You give it rims. You give it bump. You give it all your time because that's all you can think about. End quote. These lyrics reminded me of something Rick Rubin said in his very recent interview of Andre 3000, on the Broken Record podcast. Here's Rick. He's the one that speaks first. When you suffer from depression, let's say, and you feel like there's this hole in you, you don't know what it is. You just know you feel bad. Mm-hmm. But you have this dream. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna through music. I see these people doing this, and I love this. Yeah. And if when I do that, the hole's gonna go away. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> it's the but. But at least during that time, you have hope because you know I'm going to work really hard because I want to feel better than I feel now. And you do all this work, and and that hole is the thing that allows you to have that drive and perspective to break through. Yeah. And then you break through, and your dreams come true, and the hole is exactly the same. Yes. And then you're hopeless. And actually... It opens up a little bit more. Absolutely. Because now, now what I was spending all my time to my way of solving it, I did it and it didn't work at all. Yeah. If anything, as you said, maybe it's worse. I love this explanation because it demonstrates how, on one hand, the creative process can be an effective tool for fighting depression, but On the other hand, if we use that tool with the expectation of success and material wealth as the end goal, then it can actually counteract and even undo all of the progress that we've made, which is why suicides, overdoses, and mental health issues are so prevalent among young artists who get thrown into the industry at such a young age without any real preparation. And for some reason, We've tended to think of hip-hop as being an exception to this, maybe because of the subject matter or because of a cultural disconnect. But of course, we've lost plenty of rap legends this way. Old Dirty Bastard, DJ Screw, Chris Lighty, Mac Miller, just to name a small few. And there are plenty of others still alive or showing troubling signs and symptoms. People like DMX, Gucci Mane, Azalea Banks, And yes, in the last few years, there's been a little more conversation about this, perhaps most notably from the 2017 hit rap song 1-800-273-8255 by Logic, which was basically a full-throated call for suicide awareness. But when it comes to rapping about what depression and social anxiety actually feel like and sound like and capturing the whole atmosphere that surrounds those conditions, I would argue that this song is about as good as it gets. And notwithstanding all of the amazing color and energy that Andre 3000 brought to this music, I would hope that he will also be remembered as the man who made mental health awareness a part of hip-hop. A 
Anatomy of a Verse is created by me, Max Maples, in Brooklyn, New York. This episode is dedicated to Andre's parents, who passed away in 2013 and 2014. Next time, we're talking about the verse that changed the whole game. Thanks for listening. I think I'm in-